0: Well, good morning. A few new faces here today. I'm Pastor Thomas. Welcome. I hope you feel at home and comfortable right away. You know why you can feel at home and comfortable right away? Not because you know us, but because the, hopefully, hopefully, you feel the familiar presence of Jesus in the room. I read a book over the past year, and it talked about quit pastoring your church. Now, I'm not going to quit my job, but what it suggests is that we need to allow Jesus to be the great shepherd of the sheep. He's the great shepherd. Yes, I'm a pastor. Pastor does mean shepherd. And I help encourage you in your faith, equipping you to walk with Jesus. But ultimately, I need his guidance as pastor. And ultimately, you don't want just me to pastor you. You want the great shepherd to be pastoring you. And in this book, it suggests that Jesus is in the room with us. So even though this might be your first time in this physical room, know that Jesus is here. Jesus wants to be even closer than that. As we just saying, he, he wants to be close to our hearts. He wants to be in us, through us, that he, we would live and have our being in Jesus. We're going to talk a little bit about that today, but I just want to encourage you with some of those initial thoughts. We're going to pray. We're going to pray that the Lord would strengthen us. A lot of things are happening in the world. We just hap- happened to uh, call this Sunday, Homecoming Sunday, to encourage people To come to church who haven't been here in a while. And I'm gonna be honest with the people who are online and the people who are here today. Uh, There are a few new faces who I've never seen before, the rest are familiar, and a lot of people who I would hope that would come back to church are not here today. I'm gonna be honest about that. I've been telling some of the people who've been here over the past few months that hey, there's another congregation who's online, who's been online since COVID. Here's the reality. And I'm saying this to the people online and I'm saying this to myself and the people here. Maybe you won't get to know those people. I wish that weren't the case. But if they're not coming back at this point, I think the Holy Spirit is telling me, let's keep moving forward. And it's not to say we're not going to have an online ministry where people can tune in and people who've been attending this church previous to COVID can still tune in online and feel like they're a part of the church through the online ministry but my hope would be that they would wanna to get to know some of the newer people in the church. The reality is if we're gonna move forward as a church, we have to depend on certain people who are gonna be here in, in order to minister to the newer people of the church. And so moving forward from this point on, I think that um, my focus is really going to be in ministering, especially to you people who are new here today uh, with the people who are currently here. And we're a small church and it takes a lot of effort to minister to our community. One thing that um, we've done here in the past is we've done a thing called fill a bag. If you've been a part of North Grenville community uh, in the past 10 years or so, you would have been familiar with the fill a bag program where our church was a big part of this. We'd organize delivering bags to our community and those bags would get filled and those bags would get dropped off at the Salvation Army Food Bank. Because we're low on volunteers, we had to be real with ourselves we can't do it this year and we've always been wanting to do it after coming back to covid that's not to say it's not going to happen the salvation army food bag wants a fill-a-bag to happen so we are going to partner with them and susie and i are handing over all of the leadership material that we've compiled over the past 12 years to say here it is here's our leadership material this fill-a-bag program needs to happen moving forward and we're going to trust that Um, they're going to do a good job running the program when we've run it in the past. And to be honest with you, Susie and I uh, and the leadership here are a little bit grieved over the fact that our volunteer numbers are down and we can't run it ourselves. But we also have to be real with who we have and how how much time and energy we have. But we will assist the Salvation Army to be able to run this fill-a-bag program. So if you are interested in being of assistance to that, please talk to myself. Please talk to Susie. Um, We'll probably still take whoever is willing to help on that day to either distribute bags or to, um, on the day when the collections are made, to collect bags. We will try to put a team together that can help in some capacity. So if you're interested in helping in that program, if you've never heard of the Fill a Bag program before and you just want to know more about it and how you can help, you can talk to myself or Susie, and we will fill you in. Susie's there waving at the back if you've never met Susie. She's our church administrator uh, and she's wonderful at doing her job. So that was just some, I, I thought it was important to let you know kind of where we're at with something that's been really dear to our church's heart in the Philabeg program, but also be real with our church in terms of, hey, COVID has had an impact on many churches and it's impacted our church. Our volunteer numbers are down. Um, a lot of people who we've been trying to get to come back to church have not come back to church. And uh, it grieves my heart that we can't do the things that we've done in the past, but... I'm going to encourage you this morning with God's word to say there are great things to come. Regardless of what's happened over the past few years, there are great things to come. Let's pray into that first and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. Father in heaven, I pray first and foremost for this fill program, Lord, as your will is that the hungry are fed. Your will is that the naked are clothed. And those who are homeless have shelter. Your will is that your church is mobilized to meet the needs of our community. Because you're a good, loving, caring God, and we love you and we believe that these things are possible. And Lord, you know the heart of our church, of our volunteers, of our leaders. And Lord, I confess, in pride, I would have liked to continue to go forward and keep doing this in the name of North Grenville Community Church, but the reality is, Lord Jesus, that this is your thing. This is in ours. And in humility, we surrender this program to you, Jesus, and we pray that those at the Salvation Army who are taking it on, we pray that you would equip them to be able to do it well and to see many people fed because of this. Lord Jesus, help us in terms of our volunteers. We need need help. Lord, you taught us to pray for laborers. You told your own disciples that pray for the laborers because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And so we ask, Lord, that you would send laborers to our church, people who are willing to help and participate. Lord, I even pray for the people in this room, Lord. And and I know a lot of them are newer and a lot of them are older and they've been there and done that. And then there are young families who have a lot of children and who are busy. And so, Lord, it's really hard for us to know where we fit into this thing we call the church to be able to be um, volunteers and support and be active in our faith community. But Lord, I pray that you would do something in our hearts, that we wouldn't be reliant on our own time and our own talents and our own skills, but we would trust you, Lord Jesus, that whatever you want to accomplish through us, that if you're asking us to do it, that it would be possible. Because we believe, Lord, that when you're in it, then we don't have to worry how it will get done. You will see a way. We just need to trust you. And so I pray that, Lord, that this Philabeg program would go forward, and we trust you with it. Lord, we pray for all of the other things that we would love to see happen in our church. Lord, I pray that you would inspire us. That these things will not happen without your presence in them. Excuse me, Father. I pray that you would equip your church to be able to fight the good fight, as the Apostle Paul said. And this fight is, yes, for our own faith, for our own beliefs, that we would continue to put our trust in you. But Lord, this is also a spiritual battle in the lives and the hearts of our community, in the lives and the hearts of those whom we love. Lord, we pray for those who I know many people have invited people to come here for this gathering, this homecoming Sunday, Lord, and yet they're not here. Lord, we pray for all of those who we're reaching out to, we're praying for, we're hoping, Lord, that you would just touch their lives. Lord, I pray that you would comfort them. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would enable them to do the things they want to do because many people would like to be out of their homes and in a faith community. And Lord, yet there are still certain things holding them back. Lord, I pray that you would give them the boldness to step forward in their faith, to do the things that you would have called them to do. And it's not just attending church and being a part of a Sunday morning worship service. Lord, it's about being a part of your kingdom and allowing you to move through us to see your will be done in our community, in North Grenville community, in our surrounding areas, Lord, and in our families' lives, in our neighbor's lives, and even in our enemies' lives. Lord, we pray, Lord, that your will would be done, that you would have your way in us, Lord Jesus. Lord, we do pray for those who are really struggling, Lord, whether it be those who have been affected by the tropical storms on the East Coast, or whether, Lord, the toll of mental health has caused people to be shut in and not get out of their own homes. Lord, we pray for these people who are suffering. We pray for those who are suffering with cancer. I think of Christine Johnson. I think of Amy Beth's uncle, Kelly Nellis. My cousin, Taimka in Holland. Lord, we want to continue to lift up all those who we know who are suffering from this terrible disease. And we pray for also those who are just sick. Their health is compromised, Lord. We call out to you, Lord, that you would heal because we believe, just as the church needs to be mobilized, just as we believe, Lord, that you can do great things through us, Lord, you can do great things all on your own, and you can heal whoever you want to heal. And we trust in your healing power, God, that you are God over all. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to give just a quick recap of where we are in the scriptures this morning. About a year ago, I was preaching a sermon series uh, on the teachings and commands of Christ. And we did that almost for an entire year. And then Christmas came along, and we decided to uh, take a break. We always take a break around Christmas. And then in the new year, I finished that sermon series, and I thought, what's better to preach on? And we felt the Holy Spirit... And, and the Lord telling us, okay, we're going to go from preaching on the teachings and commands of Christ to now uh, preaching on the who the Holy Spirit is. So from Christ and his teachings to who the Holy Spirit is. And then we transitioned into the book of Acts because we really see the Holy Spirit moving when we read the book of Acts. And so we've been moving through the book of Acts, and we're in Acts chapter 9. We're in Acts chapter 9, and we're about to finish chapter 9 today. We were at, in chapter 9 the past two weeks, the first week we saw how um, Saul was breathing murderous threats against the church and how God knocked him to the ground, blinded his eyes, brought him to a man named Ananias, and he took the scales off his eyes so that he can see again and turned Saul to himself. Changed his life completely. Complete changed. And in that sermon, two weeks ago, preached about how God can change anyone. And then last week, we saw how Ch- uh, Saul's change was continuing. And it was continuing within the faith community, which was kind of crazy because these were the people who were going to kill him. They, he, I, I mean, he wanted to kill, sorry, or he was approving of their death when it comes to Stephen. He was going to imprison some of them. He's, he was on his way to take them, put them in prison. And then when this change happened, now he wants to be a part of who they are. You can imagine how confusing that would be for the faith community, but they embraced him. A man named Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, comes alongside of him and says, no, 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 God has gotten a hold of this man named Saul. He's different. And within that faith community, Saul's change continues to happen to the point where he's preaching the gospel, leading people to Jesus, and he has to now be on the run because other people are trying to kill him. So that was last week. And what I see as this continual theme through Saul's story or even previous is this message of hope that God can do whatever he wants. God can do whatever he wants. And I think often, uh, as I was kind of giving you the state of our current situation in church, this is homecoming Sunday, this is who we are. And sometimes we want God to do things that we want him to do. We want to twist God's arm. We want to ask Him to do make our church, make our lives, make our family look the way we want them to look. But the reality is God has greater things in mind. Better than what you thought they could be. In the the book of the Psalms and the Proverbs, we see where there is a scripture and it talks about how man plans his plan, his, he plots his plans. But God scoffs. He laughs at those plans. God looks at our plans, and he laughs at them. He thinks they're a bit of a joke sometimes because he has greater things in mind. This should encourage you. Uh, Pastor Liz mentioned that I'm studying my master's. I've mentioned this to you in the past few weeks. And I'll be honest with you. When I graduated from Bible college, I thought I was done with school. I was like, done finished, and an old farmer came up to me and says, now you can start learning. You know, here I'd been in school for, you know, since I was a kid, really, because I went from high school to college, and, you know, finally done school, and I was like, phew, it's done. I was 21 years old, and he says, now you can start learning, and there was some truth to that, and I thought, oh, I'm done with that. I'm never going back to college, university, and here I am, would have never have planned this and i believe it's because the lord's leading me in this direction i can tell you the sequence of events over the past few years that have led me to think i need to go and get better help when it comes to being a pastor and counseling and so i'm studying my masters in counseling would have never have thought to do that there are many things in your life i'm sure that you've done that you never thought you would do surprises come along you say pastor you got a big family guess what amy beth wanted 4 i wanted 5 She actually won the argument. We were done at four, but we have five. (laughs) Plans change. Things change. God has his way. I was taking care of Anna Claire yesterday. Joel was on on the ice, and my youngest, the one we didn't plan for, was spending the day with me as Joel was skating. We went outside, and we were just hanging out. It was a beautiful, sunny day, and I thought to myself, I can't believe we weren't planning on five because that would mean she wouldn't be with me right now, and she's so precious, and I love her so much. And I just texted my wife in that moment: I love her so much; she's so precious. So, and I thank you for putting up with her noise when she's screaming in the middle of the service. <laughs> Appreciate that very much. My, I was walking the other day, uh, just going for you know when I'm when I'm taking my kids to hockey and I'm studying for my master's and prepping my sermon and trying to minister in the community, meeting with people in the church and stuff like that. Uh, The past few weeks, I haven't had too much of a break. So I decided I'm going to have a break. I'm going to go for a walk. And when I walk, I like to walk my own community to see what's happening. And so I went down to the Riverside Park and I came up and I stopped uh, in the park and I looked and I could see, I wasn't going to go any further because I could see the kids were doing the Terry Fox run, right? They were running around doing laps of the yard. And I remember, I was a kid, we would do that too, and, and, and we were taught about Terry Fox. Terry Fox, this man who is a bit of an athlete, who has this devastating news that he's got cancer that is going through an entire body. And as an athlete, he's told his leg needs to be amputated. Now, for most of humanity, when you get news like that, it puts you in the dumps, It tells you that you're done, you're finished, you can't do the things you wanna do. But to this man, some who might say what is crazy, he says, I'm gonna fight this thing by running across the country. Now, when he set out to do that, he didn't plan on getting the national television to see what he was doing. Actually, if you study the history, they didn't pick it up until the very end of his journey when he couldn't make it across the country and he was about to die. He didn't plan that some 20, 30, 40 years later, I forget when it was, to be honest with you, that there would be kids running around the yard raising money for cancer. That was not his plans. He just thought, this is what I need to do in this moment. See, God has greater things. Now, I I don't know Terry Fox's faith. I don't know how it lines up in terms of belief in Jesus, but I do know this, that God sees all, believer and unbeliever, and he has a plan for everyone, and he will use whatever he needs to to accomplish his will. But what I know is I'd rather get in line with his will so that I can acknowledge these greater things that God has He could use me. Now, now for some of us who grew up in, in 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 a church, in a faith system, we were taught to pray the Our Father. And sometimes those prayers become systematic, they become ritual, and we don't think about them. But I really want you to think about how Jesus taught us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if it's God's will, how much greater would it be for God to have his will than me to have my own? We all get frustrated from time. I want it my way. Frank Sinatra, right? I want it my way. No, no, no. I don't want it my way. I want it his way. Because his ways are greater than my ways. So let's read... Why I'm going to be saying this, because I believe in the book of Acts, we can see this developing in, our, in front of our eyes. Acts chapter 9 verse 32 says this, as Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. There he found a name named Ines, who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight Years, eight years in a bed. I'll tell you, I was in a hospital once for a week because of Lyme's disease, and some of you know that story, and I'll tell you, I'm not going to tell the whole story today, but I can tell you on a different time. One week in a hospital was bad enough, let alone eight years. You think if there was ever going to be someone who runs out of hope You're like, Pastor, and I've heard some of your complaints at times. Pastor, I'm really struggling. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And I understand, I'm listening, and I've been there, too, where you don't know how you're going to get through a certain situation. Eight years, though. Come on. If there's anyone who says, I don't know how I'm going to get through something, it's a paralyzed person who's been in bed for eight years. And yet, here's what happens. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up, roll up your mat. Immediately, Ineas got up, and all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Now, here's my thinking is that when Peter sees this man, remember, Peter's a plain, simple, fisherman until he meets Jesus, and Jesus shows him some greater things. And remember, when Jesus died and rose from the dead, Peter had not yet seen Jesus. What does he go back and do? He goes back and becomes a fisherman, and he's fishing in the boat when Jesus says, Peter, come, and I will show you how to become fishers of men. He'd already spent three years with Jesus. Jesus rose from the dead, and then Jesus has to remind him, I've got something greater for you. So now now he's trying to live that out, right? He's heard the, the, the Great Commission. He's told to go out and make disciples of all nations, teaching them and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so Peter's walking from town to town trying to do this mission. And he shows up, and he sees a paralyzed person. And I wonder if when the book of Acts is happening, as these events are happening, are these disciples reminded of their times with Jesus? And I would say, how could they not? They saw Jesus tell someone to get up off their mat and walk. They saw Jesus do that. And so Peter's not doing this because he thinks he's got the power. He saw the power that came through Jesus and he knows Jesus told him he would never leave him nor forsake him. And he knows Jesus, just like I told all of you that Jesus is in the room. He knows Jesus is by his side. And so when he says, get up off your mat, he believes the greater things can happen because Jesus said so. And so here, the simple far, far, fisherman—I almost said farmer—but there've been farmers been on my mind this week with the whole plowing match thing. And and fishermen and farmers have a lot of things in common. They're very simple, you know, hardworking people, you know, blue collar, as they might say. You can imagine being one of these people, feeling like you're inadequate. How am I supposed to get through this? How am I supposed to help this person? Is it even possible to see? This situation changed. I'm not just talking about this paralyzed person right now, I'm talking about your own life situations here. And Peter, reminded of the power of Jesus, reminded that Jesus said, "Get up and roll up your mat and walk." Peter says those words himself, and he sees it happen, and the village of Lidda is changed. And Sharon, it's funny, because he shows up in one village and two villages are changed. Isn't that amazing? Greater things, right? We would hope that our own community would get changed. God's greater vision is that the communities surrounding our community would get changed. Not just North Grenville or Kempville, but Merrickville, Winchester, Spencerville, all the way up to Barhaven and Stitzville. Right, we believe that God can change the communities, not just where we live, but the communities around us because he's got greater things in Mind. Verse 36 In Joppa, there was a man, uh, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in the upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter had come to Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went to him, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All of the widows stood around, crying and showing him the robes and others' clothings that Dorca had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them out of the room. Doesn't this... Stories sound familiar to the gospel stories? I hope you guys read your gospels because this sounds very familiar to the gospel stories. Peter sends them out of the room and he got down on one knee and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. Hold on, I want to stop for a second. I think it's so important to read verse 40 one more time. Peter sent them out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Listen, church, how often do we whine and complain and and, and suffer in our current situation, and yet we're not willing to literally, I'm not joking, literally get down on our knees and pray. I'm sometimes convicted that I don't get down on my knees enough. Because when I hear about old grannies who changed their family's lives, the grandchildren said, oh yeah, I remember grandma on her knees, literally on her knees. Now I don't know what that signifies, but an attitude of surrender. I talked last week about lifting our hands up in surrender. Sometimes we got to get down in order to surrender. You think if the queen were here, you know, there people bow before the queen. Well, this is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we're going to requ- Peter's going to request, make a request of God, and he prays and he gets down on his knees. And he turns towards the dead woman. He said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa. And many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. I'm going to turn in my Bible to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 21. Jesus is healing a boy who's possessed by an impure spirit. And Jesus asks the boy in verse 21 of chapter 9, how long has he been like this? And the answer that the father gives is, from childhood, he answered. Verse 22, it has has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus answered. (laughs) I like how Jesus answers this. If you can, if I can, do you know who you're talking to? Have you heard the rumors? Listen, if Jesus physically, physically walked in the building here, now I'm telling you, I believe he's here spiritually. I believe he's wanting to talk to each and every one of us about these subjects right here and right now. But if he physically came in front of us, I hope that we would run to his feet, bow down in front of him, and we would cry our eyes out for the things that we've most been asking him for. The thing is, we can do that right now. Here's the the important thing. This is what Jesus says. Everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me (laughs) overcome my unbelief. Anything is possible. Everything is possible. Anything? Everything? Everything? You ever say, "Oh, you, you know, you use an absolute statement, like always or never, or whatever. are you sure? It's always like this? Everything? Anything? Well, let's check the scriptures, because if it shows up once, you might be able to question it. If it shows up repeatedly, I think we can know that God is trying to tell us something. Matthew chapter 19, verse 25 and 26 says, when the disciples heard of this, Oh, by the way, this is, in context, is Jesus saying that it's really difficult for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus looked at them and said, oh, sorry, when the disciples heard of this, they were greatly astonished and asked, well, who then can be saved? If the rich aren't going to get saved, then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said in verse 26, with man, it is impossible. So here's the reality. When you tell someone, I don't think it's possible... Jesus is going to be honest with you. With man, many things are impossible. Your own salvation is not possible. So anything else really in this life is very difficult for us. We will have troubles. However, verse 26 says, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things. Just a little bit? one thing two things you is, is, is Jesus a genie you get three you, you get to rub the lamp and you get three wishes eh, wrong all things everything all things are possible do you guys not remember Philippians 4:13 this is people's favorite one of people's favorite memory verses Philippians 4 verse 13. It says, I can do all this, or some translations say, all things through Christ who gives me strength. The interesting part of the context of that verse, in the verse previous, it tells us that I have learned, oh, I know what it is to be in need, I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether I am fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things Through him who gives me strength. So the context of that verse is having a lot or having nothing at all. See, we think that if, if we get everything, if God's going to do all things, if great things are going to come our way, that it's going to look this pretty perfect way. And we're all going to have these pretty perfect lives. And what the writer of Philippians is saying, no actually, you're going to take on more. See, what I've realized, this is the more I grow in Christ, the more I am able to take care of myself and my family and my own spiritual life, the more God puts on my plate of other people who he surrounds me with who have problems. And if you're some of those people who've come to me with your problems, don't feel bad about it. It's actually my pleasure. I am blessed so I can be a blessing. And I'm thankful that I get to help you in your time of need. But this is my hope and my goal is that you would see the greater things that God wants to do in you, that when you get off of your struggles and on your own feet, that God would surround you with so much blessing that you would not have this life that looks like, oh, I've just asked God for everything that I've ever wanted. And all these wonderful blessings have just come my way. That's not how the Christian life works. What happens is you do get on your own two feet spiritually mature in Christian maturity. And God surrounds you with other problems... And you can take on more, but you're not just living a self-centered life where it's only your problems all the time. It's you start to take care of other people's problems. For anybody who's a parent, you understand that with your children. But it's not just a principle that is applied within your own family. This is the family of God. And one reason why we don't see the church growing, I'll be honest, is because we've been told that we need to live a very consumeristic material life, which is very self-serving and all about us. And what the Lord wants to do is greater things than just take care of yourself. He wants us more planned for us as a church. He's got so much more planned for me and my family. He's got so much more planned for you and your family and your kids and their kids and their kids. He's got great and wonderful things. The Bible tells us he's got more than you could ever ask for or imagine. And yet we are so limited in our own, in our own struggles and our own beliefs that when we're struggling, you know what the devil says? It says, ha you deserve that. And you need to tell the devil to go take a walk and get away from you, that he doesn't belong in your heart and in your mind, that you are a child of the Most High God, and you are a king, and you are a priest in his kingdom, and he has great and mighty things for you to accomplish, but you'll never accomplish those things if you believe the lies of the enemy. And I, I'm sorry, but I, you might have heard me say these things before, but the reality is that we, if we continue to live the way the devil wants us to live, we'll never see the things that God has planned for us. And so we need to reject the lies of the enemies. And there are many lies. You're not good enough. You, these things aren't possible. But Jesus is telling us, the Scripture is telling us, not just anything, all things, even greater things than you could even ask or imagine. John chapter 14, verse 12. John chapter 14. 14, verse 12, very, very truly, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Believe this, church, believe this. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to you and I, his followers. He's saying that you will do works that he has been doing and do even greater things. You can do all things, you can do anything, but even more than all things or anything, I, when I hear all things or anything, you know what that limits me to? My own human mind. When I hear greater things, then I'm, what, I, what, starts, what I start to think about is, wow, I just gotta surrender my life completely to God because he's got things that I can't even think of. So I shouldn't even try to dream of the things that God has for me because they're so much greater than I can even think of. And I've been in prayer meetings, church, where we pray one thing and then we say, Ah, oh, but don't say ah oh, but. Oh Lord, would you heal them? Ah, oh, but if you don't, Lord. No, let's let's eliminate that from our vocabulary of prayer. Let's actually believe the scripture that we will even see greater things. I want to finish this verse. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Sometimes we think, oh, this is the best outcome of the situation so I'm going to start praying to God for what I believe is the best outcome. And even in some of... My friends, my family, my churches, situations, when people come to me with their troubles, I, I start thinking, I need to stop praying what I think is best. I need to start praying God's best. Whatever you think is better about the situation, God. Whatever you want to do with this situation, God. I wonder where Peter's life would have been if he didn't start remembering these moments where he had walked with Jesus. See, one of our struggles is that when we walk through life, we weren't physically walking with Jesus when he told someone to get up off their mat and start to walk, the paralytic person, right? So Peter had seen that, and so he's now telling someone else to do the same thing because he's reminded, oh, I'm going to do even greater things. So this might be one of these occasions where I'm going to do either the same works of Jesus or it's going to even be greater. So I'm going to tell this paralytic person to walk. But because we were never there, maybe we don't think that that's even possible. Same with seeing a dead person. Jesus tells at certain occasions, tells the people who are grieving, the widows who are crying, the procession who are grieving around him, get out of the room. Don't even come into the room. Get out of here if you don't believe. Praise Jesus, heals. Someone's raised from the dead. Peter does the same thing in this chapter. Now we have several thousand years of experience between us and the story of Jesus but I believe Jesus still calls us to believe these things, that he can do greater things. What does that mean for us? Do we start raising dead people? Well, I would start with, don't be afraid to ask. And certain things might be, you might feel are dead, not just people, your own dreams your own hopes, your own prayer life, the things you've asked before and you never thought they were answered. The paralytic person was there for eight years. You don't think they were praying during those eight years? Eight years later, Peter shows up and breakthrough happens. How often do we not get an answer within a few weeks of trying and we give up? So here's some questions I want you to evaluate for yourself this week. This is kind of your homework again, and I'm trying to give more homework for you guys so you can have discussion around your family table or around your friends. Here's another thing that I want you to think about is how do I get within small groups? We have opportunity Tuesday mornings for you to come. We have uh, a Friday night family event that we do once or twice a month, one is more of a games-oriented thing. The other one, we're gonna try to include more studying together as a family on, on Friday evening, so that happens once a month. We're trying to facilitate online discussion, and so if you can get a part of a group where you can talk with people, whether it be on Facebook or um, other platforms where you can have discussion and you're interested in that, please talk to us, because we would love to set you up so that you can be a part of those discussions. But we, I think we need to talk about these things together, church. We need to be in community more. Uh, I'll be honest. I am a little disappointed that when we say, hey, we're going to have a homecoming Sunday, I see the faces I normally see, other than people who've never been here before. So uh, because I was really hoping some of the people who call this their church in previous years were going to come back, the people who were here pre-COVID. Um, I'm saying I'm disappointed in that for a purpose, and that's that I believe God's got better things in store. I don't think he'd ask me to preach this sermon today on a day where I would be disappointed if I didn't need encouraging myself to say, God's got great things in store for our church, but you need to plug in, you need to be a part of it, you need to start talking to people about your faith, you need to be encouraged, you need to be discipled, and it happens within community. I preached that sermon last week. So here's the things you can talk about when it comes to this sermon. Have you seen God do more than you thought possible before? Is there a time in your life where God did something that you never thought was possible? Could be anything. I'll give a quick illustration of my own life. I got five kids. There was a point in my life we thought we'd have none. We had to go to fertility clinic and visit fertility doctors after two years of trying. So if any of you have ever been there, if you know people who've been there, those are scary times. Eventually your mind starts to say it's not possible after two years of trying to have a baby. I think it's funny now with five kids. And I think you all laugh at me to think that I was scared at that time, but it was real in that moment. It It was terrifying to think I would never be a dad. And I remember journaling to the Lord and the Lord said, you will be a father. And I was like, okay, i got to trust Jesus, even though I don't feel it. It's like the father who's told by Jesus, oh, all things are possible for those who believe. And he says, help me in my unbelief. In that moment, I, that was my prayer. Lord, I believe you're saying this to me, but help me in my unbelief. Because I don't know if I really believe the words you're saying. But you might have situations like that, and I want you to talk to your family. Remind yourselves of the great things God has already done. Sometimes we have a hard time seeing what God's going to do in the future because we forget what he's done in the past. There was a time where the Israelites had to put up marker stones of the journey they made through the wilderness. Why? It was to remind them of where they've been and how God had delivered them from Egypt. Next question. Are there things that you have kept back from God because you didn't think he would answer? like, that's too big. Let's be honest with each other. I, I really think it's important that we discuss these things to say, oh, well, like, like I gave you an illustration already today. I said to myself, I'll never go back to school. Look what's happening, right? Like you might have already promised yourself, I'll never do this or never do that. And God's got other plans. And I think it's important that we talk about those things that we never thought possible, but God's got different plans. And then what are you willing to ask God for that you thought was impossible? There's areas in your life you might think you need breakthrough. I got, a, got to talk to my mom this week. My mom um, went to go visit her mother in Holland. So she got in a plane and flew over to Holland. I think she went yesterday, and she arrived. And before she left, she wanted to talk, so we talked on the phone, and she said, I started asking God for breakthrough. And I said, God, I need breakthrough in this area, in this area. And she's like, and I started seeing it. And something clicked as I was thinking about my sermon on Sunday as well. It's like, how often do we just not ask God for breakthrough? We'll ask something. We'll ask, like, God, help, or God, do a little bit of this or a little bit of that. But are we specific enough to say, God, I want to see something bigger done. I want to see a complete change. I want to see a breakthrough where we're not the same anymore, where it's different. Not just a little bit of help, but a complete breakthrough. So, are you willing to ask God for what you thought was impossible? And what, what, is, what are those things? And then I encourage you, as you talk about those questions, um, Shane, do you mind going down and getting the kids to come up? Because we're going to have communion, communion together. As you, as you ask these questions, I encourage you to pray together. I'm going to use a cliche. Maybe you've heard it before. Maybe you haven't heard it at all. But a family who prays together stays together. Find someone and pray with them. Start asking for the big things. Start asking God for your big dreams and believe that these things are possible. In a moment, actually, uh, before I start the service of communion, I'm going to encourage you... um, to come forward and to take a cup. And uh, within the cup, here, I'll take one first. Within the cup, you have a, a wafer, symbolizes the bread of Jesus. And there's two peels here, one for the top, which takes out the wafer, and then one for the juice, which is underneath. And so uh, why don't we start with this side, and I encourage you to come forward and take if you're going to participate in communion today. If you're not choosing to participate in communion, uh, we respect that. We understand that everybody comes from different faith traditions, and sometimes they want to uh, be more familiar with the church. But we believe here in uh, North Granville Community Church that if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died on the cross for your sins, if you simply believe that— you are welcome to participate in communion because these are what these symbols represent. The bread, the wafer represents the bread, which represents the body of Jesus and the juice. Yeah, this side can come forward now as well and grab your community cup. I'm just going to need another drink here. (laughs) Uh, You can open up the packages, but don't take them. We'll we'll take them together in community. Um, Communion, my father-in-law shared this with me one time, and it's always stuck in my head. Communion has two words in it that are familiar to us in the English language, come and union. So we're inviting the unity within our community of faith, but also with the the Lord. And so we're going to take communion together to invite that union with the Lord and together. And so on the night of his betrayal, Jesus took the bread. And after giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take of this each and every one of you and do this in remembrance of me. And so we would, you can now take the bread. In the same way. In the night of his betrayal, Jesus took the juice. And after he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my blood, which was poured out and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And so not only do I encourage you to take this juice and do it in remembrance of Jesus, but as you do it, um, feed upon it with thanksgiving in your hearts that Jesus has forgiven you for your sins. And if there's anything that you need to confess before him, Confess it before him and do it with a pure heart. Take of the juice and do this in remembrance of him. Linda, I don't see Amy Beth. Could you grab Amy Beth for me and tell her we're going to sing? We're going to sing another song, but before we... Sing our closing song. I would love to pray for you. So let's pray together. Father in heaven, we believe your word to be true that we will see and do even greater things. And Lord, part of that word, greater things, means we don't even know what some of these things are. They're things that are above our own imagination, above our own hopes. But Lord, what we do want to do is to trust you that when we see a situation that looks impossible, that we would remind ourselves that all things are possible through you who give us strength. And so Lord, whatever seems impossible today for people in our church, Lord, within our family, I pray that you would encourage us that it is possible when we trust you. And Lord, that you can turn a situation even into something greater. And Lord, we might not see right now what that situation looks like, but I pray that you would give us hope and trust in you that whatever the outcome of our current situations are that we're praying about, Lord, would we trust you for that greater thing? Lord, help us pray together. Help us to develop that community of trust. Help us to see the greater things happen within our community. Lord, we trust you. We believe that you are the creator of the entire universe. And if you created the entire universe and you even know how many hairs are on our head, then Lord, then you know the steps that are about to happen in our lives before us. And Lord, we trust that you do have these greater things in mind. Lord, we pray the way you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory. Forever and ever. Amen. Amen.